Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hello and welcome to Brexit Unspun, the podcast where we debunk the political spin around Brexit. I'm Shona Jenkins. Britain faced a big foreign policy test last month when a former Russian spy and his daughter were poisoned in the provincial town of Salisbury by a military-grade nerve agent developed in the Soviet Union. Theresa May was quick to point the finger at the Russian government and persuaded more than 20 countries and NATO to expel a total of 150 Russian diplomats in a show of solidarity. So far, at least, the decision to leave the EU doesn't appear to have affected Britain's ability to muster support when there is a crisis. But what will happen in a year's time when the government may not find such ready access to European leaders? Mrs May won't be attending any more summits like the one last month, where she was able to explain the UK position to her EU counterparts. Here with me to discuss this is Nina Schick, an expert in Russian hybrid warfare and Brexit at the political consultancy Rasmussen Global, and our foreign affairs commentator Philip Stevens. Nina, can I begin by asking you to comment on the Skripal affair? How would you rate the level of global solidarity with Britain since the poisoning of Mr Skripal and his daughter? I think that Theresa May will be quite happy with the response that she got. And indeed, it was quite a victory for her that she managed to get so much support behind her in terms of all the countries that expelled Russian diplomats. That's in the short term. Symbolically, that's important. However, when you look at the long term challenges, the Western world or the liberal democratic order faces from Russia, which was manifest in the Skripal affair, it was extraordinary, a chemical attack on the soil of a sovereign country. There are going to be very long term challenges. And the question is, how is the West going to respond to this? Obviously, the UK had recourse via the EU and NATO. So the expulsion of diplomats, while symbolic, it's simply not enough in the long term. And the question is, what can the West or Britain actually do in the face of Russian aggression and Russian hybrid warfare? And do you think the situation for the UK will be any different once it's outside the EU? Well, of course, this is a great irony at the time when Britain is a year away from leaving the EU that it had to appeal to the European partners. The argument made for the Brexit referendum was that for defence and security issues, the UK only had to rely on NATO. We've seen that is not the case. And in fact, NATO couldn't do much. And in fact, what the UK had to do was appeal to its EU partners. Again, aside from the strong statements that the EU made and indeed NATO made in terms of actual short term action, the best recourse the UK had was to ask the EU to perhaps think about extending those sanctions which are already on Russia, which have been on Russia since 2014. And we saw the EU kind of clubbing around the wording that the UK suggested at the Council Summit conclusions that it was Russia who was responsible. But of course, that was all done in this effort at the European Council Summit. Now, if the UK is not attending those summits in future, it will, of course, be a lot harder. And what we've seen is, again, that the EU is a vital part for the UK security. It is not only NATO, not least because of the role that the US is playing in NATO. And of course, when it comes to Russia, Turkey's membership of NATO also raises a lot of question marks. 
Is there any sense in your view that Russia might now regard the UK as a softer target for its foreign operations? I think undoubtedly. I mean, undoubtedly, it's no coincidence that this attack happened at a time when Britain's two foreign policy pillars, one being the EU, the other being the United States, are crumbling at a time when Brexit has paralyzed the government. The government is unable to do anything beyond Brexit. So, of course, Russia was testing the ground there. Now, the UK will be encouraged by the fact that there was such a strong, concerted global response. But again, this response is not enough going forward. It's symbolic, but the Western world, and especially the liberal democratic countries, if they truly want to protect themselves against Russia, then they need to come up with a better response. And when I say Russian hybrid warfare, this takes many forms. So in the case of the Skripal affair, it was a targeted political assassination But we also see election interference. We've seen that in the US election. We've seen it here with Brexit. We've seen it in Italy. We've seen it in Germany. There's 20 other important elections before 2020. So there's election interference, but then there's also campaigns of disinformation, which are aimed to be ambiguous and divide different populations within countries. We saw that very pertinently in Central and Eastern Europe, for example, at the time of the migration crisis. So in order to truly have a response to Russia in the 21st century, all of these things have to be considered and there has to be concerted effort between the transatlantic alliance, the US and European countries to do more than just the symbolic expulsion of diplomats. Philip, I guess all this underlines the need for the UK to keep a close foreign and security relationship with the EU. Do you think Britain can retain its global influence outside the EU? Well, I think, as has been said, I mean, what this episode showed is that the old system worked. Britain has had two pillars of influence, the US and Europe. It went to Europe and it went to Washington and it asked for support and it got support from both. And the two, in fact, were mutually reinforcing, even as Donald Trump was tweeting that there was nothing wrong being friends with Vladimir Putin. American officials in the NSC and in the State Department were calling their European counterparts and saying, you better support Britain on this one. So there were two mutually reinforcing pillars. Now, the problem we have, of course, is that the European pillar is going to not slip away entirely, is going to be very much weaker. There won't be summits that Mrs. May or her successors can turn up at and rally support. And that's important because uh, those meetings, leaders feel a sort of impulse towards solidarity. They think, you know, maybe I'm going to be in this spot at some point, so I better throw in my support here. Much harder to negotiate bilaterally. So, you know, the government now is rethinking how to maintain its influence in Europe. So far, we've had from Boris Johnson, Global Britain, which is really a slogan without any substance. But beneath him at the Foreign Office, there are diplomats working quite hard on how to maximise British leverage. And I think the road they're going down at the moment is saying, on the one hand, we have to stay very close to France and Germany because they're the two key powers. And on the other hand, we have some close allies in Northern Europe, the Scandinavian countries, and Eastern Central Europe, so we have to leverage our influence there. But I think if you talk to any British diplomats, they're going to say to you, things are going to be a lot harder once we're out of the EU. 
Nina, what's your view about the strength of the Western alliance and how this could be affected by Britain's departure from the EU? Well, obviously, for the Western alliance, it's a big blow. The UK is one of the two nuclear and military powers in the EU. We know that when it comes to security and defence, the UK is seen as a net contributor in terms of its intelligence services. It's also one of the leading powers in the world. So there is no doubt, and the EU was well aware of this before Brexit, that this would be a blow to the Western alliance. This, of course, coincides with the election of Donald Trump, who's also put the Western alliance and indeed NATO in question. So all these things are happening at once, which is why it's very interesting for someone like Vladimir Putin, for whom perhaps the Cold War never really ended. Obviously, look at his background being, you know, a KGB agent that this weakening in the Western alliance is actually a great strength for him because Russia is not an economic power. It's not a demographic power. So Russia is only able to speak to the world in a language that it understands through military might. At Rasmussen Global, the CEO of my company is actually the former Secretary General of NATO. And we've been working for the past few years in Ukraine, where we have been trying to ensure that Ukraine remains on the international agenda. So we've seen firsthand how Russian hybrid warfare is playing out because Ukraine is obviously a testing ground for this. So the Western alliance is weakened and we are saying that the Western alliance needs to evolve to the new forms of hybrid warfare in which Russia is engaging all around the world. So how does the UK do that if it's outside the EU moving forward? Philip's given us an account of what UK diplomats are trying to do. How do you think they can respond? Well, obviously it doesn't make it easier, but I think on this question... And especially, for example, when May was at the European Council summit, when she presented the evidence that she had that connected the Skripal affair directly to Moscow, I think that many European leaders found that very compelling. So it doesn't make it easier, but I think you can make the argument that this is so of paramount importance to all of the Western kind of liberal democratic order that we've seen in the wake of the Second World War that you simply can't afford to slip up on this. There are some institutional frameworks possible Mm. as well. Mrs May at the Munich Security Conference in February proposed a security treaty between Britain and the EU. Now that covers things like intelligence sharing, anti-terrorism, anti-international criminal activities. And there I think certainly the security services here and the police here are pushing the government very hard to maintain access to European intelligence, to cooperate on anti-terrorism operations. Alongside that, she's suggested a slightly looser foreign policy arrangement as well, where Britain, of course, is outside the room on foreign policy in Europe once we leave. But we could be a contributor, as it were. We contribute, for example, to the EU forces in the Balkans. We make a small contribution to some of the EU activities in sub-Saharan Africa. Now, I think you will hear officials and diplomats saying to ministers, look, you have to maintain some goodwill, some credibility with the Europeans. So some of these we want to continue as an outsider, a third party, to throw our military weight. Equally, you're seeing, I think, the British military trying to strengthen some of their relations with France so we can act with France. So there are some institutional fixes. The problem is 
they're all much more complicated and rather more distant than what we've got at the moment. We've been talking about the EU and ways of maximising our relationship with them from outside the alliance. What about the US as an alternative? Well, that's the other pillar and clearly it's going to be very important that we maintain as much influence as we can in Washington. The problem is with Donald Trump in the White House, we have a rather unreliable partner. As I said earlier, US officials and the US political and defence establishment tends to be still conventional in its approach to issues like Russia, but they never know what the president's going to say. So in a way, this is about the worst possible moment. It's one of those awful geopolitical coincidences that we're pulling ourselves out of Europe at just the moment when we're not sure how much we can rely on the United States. But I think NATO there is going to be critical. And I think there again, demonstrating that we're still a player by maintaining our defence forces, by maintaining our role in forward defence in NATO is going to be very important if we're going to have a voice at the table. Just to add to that, Donald Trump has been quite vociferous in his critique of European countries not spending their 2% of GDP on defence, particularly Germany. And of course, he has a point. But the fact that Donald Trump is the messenger makes that a very politically toxic message in countries like Germany. The second thing I would add is that NATO also needs to evolve to become fit for purpose in the 21st century. NATO has already said that you can invoke Article 5, which is the Mutual Defence Clause, for any kind of cyber attack. So as warfare is actually evolving, we no longer need to have, you know, the green man and the tank arriving at the border for it to be warfare. The defence and security cooperations and organisations that we have, in particular NATO, needs to evolve with that. Well, that's all we have time for. Thank you to Nina and Philip, and thank you for listening. We'll be back in a fortnight with another episode of Brexit Unspun. We hope you'll join us then, and in the meantime, please review or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favourite podcast app. If you have a question or would like to suggest a topic for future episodes, you can also email us at brexitunspun, that's all one word, at ft.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.